When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to Take Human Action PA, episode 36. I'm back after a two-week hiatus. Uh, Calvin, your host, and um, this is the last uh, episode that we'll be doing before the Rage Against the War Machine rally that we got coming up in Washington, D.C., February 19th, 1230 at the Lincoln Memorial. So definitely make sure you show up. The link is in the description uh, it's rageagainstwar.com to find out all the information about that. Um, we we have, do have a special guest tonight, so I'll try to keep the rest of the announcements uh, short. Uh, I do also want to mention the convention that we got coming up, the state convention, March 3rd through 5th. Uh, that is in Reading, PA. If you haven't signed up for that already, definitely do so. LPPA2023.com. Uh, so with that all out of the way, um, I want to bring on our guest. He is uh, out of my neck of the woods in Bucks County. Uh, I, met, I met him back in December around the time he made his change from the Republican Party over to the Libertarian Party. He's an elected borough councilman of Pendell, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's a cybersecurity professional and, and educator, uh, married to his lovely wife and has uh, two um rescued greyhounds and uh we're going to talk about a whole wide range of topics with him and i'm really looking forward to it so let's bring on joe adams how you doing joe hey calvin thanks for bringing me on and you definitely hit on one of my passion topics greyhounds I <laughs> the entire hour absolutely uh, yeah. conversation well, about greyhounds that, that can be like uh i don't know like, well we did an end of year like episode where we just like riff on a bunch of topics so we'll have to have you back on for something like that <laughs> perfect i'd love that I love that. All right. So let's get into a bit of your background. So um, what got you interested in politics? Um, how, how did you how did you get to that point? What's your origins? Great question. Great question. So I grew up in a typical Republican household where everyone was Republican, mother, father. Um, when I first went to vote, I voted Republican. And it, and it wasn't really a part of our 
um, life per se. It was mostly just, you know, come election time, we knew we had a side that we voted on and that was basically it. And um, I didn't want to get involved in local politics. My When I got married, my wife um, and I moved into, um, we ended up buying her childhood home off of her parents and we now live there. And it's a great little neighborhood, Pendel, but her father was previously a council person in this town. And I said, I'm not running for council. It sounds like a terrible amount of work that one would have to do. And it just sounds like a whole bunch of extra drama and nonsense. And I avoided it. I I stayed out of politics. I didn't really get to know anybody or get involved until in, I believe it was like August or July of 2020. I found out that during COVID, like the beginning of the, you know, the beginning of the, the virus time, we had, um, gosh, we had the borough announced that they wanted to go from zero to 1% on earned income, income tax. So as I just laid two guys off at my company and I just, you know, going through a really rough transition because COVID was changing everyone's business models and we were all having to learn to adapt to the new standards and how everything was going to move. Um, my borough decides it would be a great time to tax people, hire a borough manager and focus a ton of time and energy on redevelopment projects because why not? And it got me so infuriated that I ran for uh, council. I ran Republican because I grew up Republican. I didn't know any better. And I got to know some of them. And um, really, a lot of the effort wasn't done by the Republican Party at all. I didn't meet. There was no committee at the time. Um, I didn't really there were no elected Republicans. I didn't meet any you know, higher ups or get really any support from the larger organization. It was just, well, I'm going to get on the ticket. I And one of my local friends in the neighborhood was kind of boots on the ground, got me some signatures with me. We drove around. We got 15 people or 20 people or something like that to fill out a piece of paper. And I was the only Republican on the ticket. And that election, uh, I got the most votes out of anyone running for council and got on. Um, and that first year I was, um, for most of the first year up until December, I was a member of the Republican party, but really in name only because there was, and still kind of is no formal Republican party in, in Pendel. They don't, they're not concerned about you at the local level. They're not really interested in whether or not they're gaining or winning seats. You know, there's not like a support system or strategy or anything like that. And, what really became discouraging to me was that as I began to meet the people that are involved in politics and look behind both parties, um, they, they started to not really feel different. Uh, if you asked what the difference between a Pendel Republican and a Pendel Democrat was, it was getting really difficult to tell you that. And it's the exact same on the federal lines. You know, I thought the Democrat Party was the anti-war liberal hippie party. And they seem to be just in favor of, of that. And, you know, I start looking at the federal level, at the state level. I It was getting hard to tell the difference in, in my local town between what the Republicans and the Democrats were. It seems like both group of parties wanted, were in favor of EIT, were in favor of all these redevelopment projects, were in favor of taking land from businesses and doing all these easements and rights of ways so that they could get access to putting in their, you know, thousand dollar trash cans and expensive benches and trying to turn Pendel into something it's not. And I, I just became infuriated. I started to realize that, um, you know, I was too much of an individual. I was too much of an idealist. I actually cared about trying to reduce taxes and not waste a bunch of money to the point where I started to realize I was no longer a Republican. I, I never really was. I just 
was lazy about my politics. But if you asked me, you know, did I want to send people off to war? The answer would be no. Do you ask me, you know, what do I think about um, the government coming in and taking people's land? I'd say that sounds awful and terrifying. If you'd asked me what I thought about paycheck tax, I'd, you know, I cringe. So I started to realize, with you know, slowly over time that, oh, I'm not, I'm not a Republican. I'm not interested in talking to my local state representatives and getting on board with some larger committee group and, and, and getting advice and leadership and guidance from people that don't live where I live. No, I, I care about making my house better. I care about helping my neighbors make their house better. I care about giving all of us the liberty to actually improve our homes and our neighborhoods the way we see fit and not having my government tell me that my town needs to look like some beautiful 1950s project from a, a painting we see around Christmas time that's never going to materialize. And I don't want to force that on my neighbors. You know, I don't like the idea of, you know, I heard one of the Republicans bring up, well, we should, we should have a permit for fire pits. And it, it was at that moment where I knew like, oh, this is not, I, I'm not a part of this process. I don't want to be one of those. I don't, you know, I, I, I can't align myself with any party that's for more government, more regulation, more permit, more tax. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I, I couldn't see it. So as I, I started learning more about what it meant to be libertarian. I actually subscribed to a podcast called The Fifth Column. I'm not endorsing or detracting from in any way. And I think this is a great podcast we're doing now. And I hope people continue to subscribe and listen. But, uh, you know, I, I started to uh, learn more about what the National Libertarian Party was and what some of the views were. And, and I kind of realized that, you know, oh, that that idea of individual responsibility and, and empowering the individual to have, you know, action and sovereignty to make their own choices and empowering the individual to kind of think about what's best for themselves and their family in a way that doesn't, you know, physically hurt or take from others, but is a more collaborative approach. That That's kind of what I've always thought I was. And I guess I had a misunderstanding of what the Republican Party was. I thought that it was truly a conservative, small government, Ronald Reagan era economics, even though now I'm, I, I have questions about that, you know, for the people party. And then I realized it's just that's just my, our version of my team, our team good, their team bad. And, you know, I started to realize that Republicans would do things that principally I didn't agree with in the name of going after the Democrats, as the Democrats would do things that principally I didn't agree with in the name of going after the Republicans. It just became, quite honestly, really difficult to to tell the difference. All it felt like was, well, this is my team and other team is bad, so you should join my team. And it doesn't mean we really actually have a vision or a plan at all. Um, but, you know, we're on this team. And just to, to kind of make a point, um, neither party right now in my town of Pendell is doing a good job reaching out to people. The local Republicans had to send a mailer asking if they could, literally they had to send a letter. Pendell is 2,500 people. So if you've got to send a letter asking, hey, would anyone like to be a part of the Republican Party or consider running in the fall? Democrats did the same thing. They sent out a letter asking if people would like to go to the bar down the street to meet people and discuss ideas, a.k.a. they haven't had a good candidate even closely remote to getting a chance in the fall. Both big parties that are really good at listening to what the state and federal parties tell them what to do are so out of touch with the average everyday person, are so disconnected from the actual town or are just used to letting PennDOT and the lawyers and the engineers tell them how to run the government that when it comes time to actually reach out and meet, meet people and ask the town what they want, they're so far disconnected. So anyway, I, I, I guess I could say that the short answer to a very long-winded answer, which I do apologize for, 
is that I, I didn't want to be a politician and I still don't, but they keep trying to take my money and spend it on stupid stuff. And I, and if I, you know, I could either show up on zoom meetings or show up at borough hall and just keep complaining while I have my three minutes, or I can sit up on the dais and complain with a vote. So I, I took the option to try to complain with a vote. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like I, I don't think I fully grasped how, how to like they were there were not even material differences between the two on the local level like much less than i would have thought and how little attention they're paying to any race below state rep like i might have suspected it but i don't think it was ever quite so clear as when when you explained it to me originally just if i may um i bought a t-shirt that said vote joe adams i didn't buy signs I didn't advertise. I didn't do anything that um, really, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't do any form of the traditional advertising. But what I did was I reached out to my neighbors that everybody knew. Like I found the guy that could say, oh, that's that's Tom and that's Dave and that's this other guy and that's their dog's name and they work here. And I spoke to them. And I said, hey, I want to run for council. What do you think? And they're like, oh, this is great. So rather than spending any time or money, you know, or receiving anything from any form of Republican Party whatsoever, um, I just, uh, you know, I think the mayor, the guy that was running for mayor who ended up winning, um, he and I walked around at like six houses and knocked on doors and I got tired of that. I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. Um, Yeah, there was no strategic whatsoever on both sides. They really they really don't care about local races whatsoever, which is the exact opposite i sent a tweet or something like that to the bucks county party bradley was at the next meeting brandon was on the phone with me bj was blowing up my phone uh, you know what i mean like they were immediately like oh my gosh this is great yeah. let's go like the amount They're of good guys just yeah shout out to you them. know and, and meeting yourself and meeting others like it my phone blew up in 24 hours with libertarians wanting to talk to me that lived on the other side of the state like it was 100 opposite experience uh when i decided to make the switch to the libertarian party like the amount of just positive encouragement even was overwhelming let alone strategic support like i could go off on a tangent about the difference there so yeah you're yeah, right well, there's no there's no local coordination amongst the big parties whatsoever right yeah yeah exactly um but since you since you mention it and i usually wait on uh audience questions until the end but this is this is relevant to what you were saying just now so i'll pull this up Sure. Uh, any any positions or preconceived notions on the Libertarian Party that kept you from making uh, the switch sooner? If so, can you share what they were? Yeah, I thought they were all potheads. Um, <laughs> no, so yeah, I, 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 let me I'm, let me be honest that. with you. Yeah. When I told my town I was converting to Libertarian, like several people in the audience went, "Is that a party?" And they're just <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Yeah, like what was the reaction? <laughs> yeah, like so. I didn't really know anything about being libertarian except the the two two terms, Gary Johnson and legalized weed. That's basically all, you know, prior to me falling out from the Republicans. It was honestly the distaste of the big two parties that led me to want to research and learn more, which is where I got started with the podcasts. And after the podcast, the literature and then meeting the people, um, I, I didn't really know or have an informed decision prior, but to be more transparent and vulnerable about myself, I was lazy politically. You know, I just figured, well, I'm a avid hunter and I like owning firearms and, and the Democrats seem to want to take those away. And I'm a Presbyterian and I like the idea of going to church on Sunday and 
that also seems to be a bit taboo on the other side. So I'll go Republican because they're about guns and Bible. And then Brian Fitzpatrick votes to take my guns away. So, you know, it's just, it's just this weird, it was this weird laziness of politics that I, I just never really put any effort because I saw the pain and suffering my father-in-law went through on council and thought, I don't want that for me and my wife. And then they started robbing my paycheck. And suddenly I, I had a fiscal motivation to get politically educated and that, that drove me to it. Yeah. Brian Fitzpatrick is the quintessential non-Republican. Like he's proof of concept of how little difference there is between the two at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And by the way, that was a great question from the, from the audience there. Cause that's, you know, just being honest, I, I, I don't think people know a lot about the Libertarian Party because I don't think the average household in Pendel really even wants to get political. I don't think it's until we start taxing them or we do a road closing project or we're going to remove a lane from a highway that suddenly people start showing up to Borough Hall. So there's there's not out of the twenty five hundred people, you know, on an angry meeting that we've advertised for six weeks, I'll get 30 at the most, maybe. Right, right. Uh, so uh, you said a little bit about like the town's reaction to switching, but was there anything that stood out as far as like other council members or maybe the mayor? Um, it, I, presumably they found out or you told them at some point. So what was their I, um I announced during council persons to be heard uh, at the end of a meeting that I was switching to the Libertarian Party because I couldn't tell the difference anymore between the big two. Um, there's an ending session, ending part of the session where at the meeting, we're allowed, any council person is allowed to be heard if the chair recognizes. So I asked the council president, may I make a prepared statement? I asked them ahead of time, actually, to be polite. Um, I said, you know, it, it didn't pertain to any issue on vote. So it was just personal. Uh, and they said, sure, go ahead. So I, I gave my prepared little speech. It was only a couple sentences. Um, I put it on Twitter that night. And most of the audience just kind of shook my hand and congratulated me for getting out. Um a lot of people actually were really supportive. Uh, several members of council accused me of being a political showman for using my time in the chair and my voice publicly to announce the switch, mostly because it wasn't to their party. Um, <laughs> but I, I was never contacted by the Republican Party after that. I was never, um, uh, I didn't receive anything from like their committee that they'd formed, which now they think there's two of them, a mayor and a committee person or something. They're brothers. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, no, the, the Republicans didn't even acknowledge that I made the switch. Uh, the Democrats didn't. There have they lost two council people since I got elected to begin with. Um, so they're not really doing well on their numbers. Yeah, there's just not a real. Uh, it, there, I didn't get any political pushback, and and if anything, citizens were a little more open to the idea of just even learning about the fact that, yeah, you don't have to vote one of the two ways. I, I the people seemed more supportive than the actual politicians on the dais, but. That being said, we do have a bit of an interesting coalition right now. One Republican, one Democrat, and myself seem to have unilaterally formed an opposition party and a coalition on our on our council and tend to yeah. vote in a united way to try to push out, which we can talk about in a little bit, push yeah, out some of these um, excessive spending projects, let's say. Uh, sure. Why don't you give us a couple examples of some of the projects that are coming through and what what your coalition is uh, doing to try to stop it or slow it down? 
it sounds so strange to think of it as a coalition. It's three guys that will sit down and say, I don't want to spend that. Um, well, just for comparison, the the thing I mentioned at the beginning, the Rage Against the War Machine rally, mm-hmm. that w- that's only two parties. And granted, it's like a completely different scale. And I think the Green Party just barely endorsed the rally recently. So mm. I guess kind of now it's three parties. But um, for the most part, like most of the planning stages, it's just been two. So on the face of it, just saying like, oh, this is a three-party coalition, there's very few instances where you can say something like that. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about the local level is we don't make any money. I get paid $600 a year, which is more of an honorarium that they tax, which gives me $490.16 after taxes, <laughs> um, which I took from the people anyway to get, and I wanted to give that back to begin with. So it's not like, you know, if a Democrat steps out of line, it's not like he's losing his day job. Um, and, and that's kind of the nice thing about local politics is none of this touches my day job. Um, you know, if I vote a certain way, there is no, you know, Brandon from the Libertarian Party doesn't give me a talking to and remind me that my salary is going away. Uh, you know, like that's it, it's nice. So we can I can talk to some of these guys and be like, look, you know, I'll give you an example. The big one that hit the news lately, that we, you know, but a Courier Times and Levittown now has had articles about is um, where I live. There's a four lane highway that goes through our town and uh there's two turning sections that are very difficult to turn at and there are no turning arrows and the lights are not coordinated and there's quite a bit of traffic accidents well PennDOT came in and was telling the borough that hey you know we really want to come in and reduce some lanes and put in some dedicated turning lanes but we may or may not put arrows and we want to add these sidewalks and we're going to seize property off owners to take those sidewalks and we're going to put in these ordinances really they they called it a safety project but when you looked into it it was a part of their multi multimodal transit oriented development project that they're trying to do throughout the whole area with middletown with langhorn borough with humeville you know it's not just local to pendale they're trying to push through this different uh, idea of kind of pushing people to really use public transportation which on the front of it which on the face of it sounds okay and you know, I am, I'm not Green Party, but I'm definitely a hunter and an advocate for conservation. I want my water to be clean. I want my soil to be farmable. I want my air to be breathable. Those are really important things. But, you know, what I don't want to do is start telling people that, you know, well, really, we should maybe ease your traffic a little bit, or maybe we could put a slowdown point here, or maybe we could discourage people from driving there, or maybe we could emphasize that train station or emphasize those bus routes. And maybe we'll spend $3 million of taxpayer funds for that. So my borough got a grant for 500 grand specifically for this project that um, PennDOT wanted to use to purchase land off of businesses, which would have negatively impacted a lot of our businesses. They would have taken a, a um, car shop, an auto shop that had been there for 104 years, and they wanted to take its driveway away, put a sidewalk on it, and prohibit them from parking cars or using the front of their driveway. They would have had to go on out into traffic loop around, cross against opposing traffic to then get into their own shop under the new PennDOT model. And that was just one business owner that I knew because I take my car there and I like the guy and I talk to him about it. Um, I, you know, we, we didn't want to spend, even though the money was granted, what, what we had to remind people was this is still taxpayer money. A grant just means we're getting the money from some other set of taxpayers. You know, we're still uh, facing this $3 million project that's going to cause a ton of, ne- oh, and they didn't want to put turning lights. Uh, they, they wanted to put in dedicated turning lanes and reduce traffic to one lane each side, but not actually put turning arrows or coordinate them with the arrows up the street in Middletown or anywhere else. So it was this hmm. it was this really aggressive PennDOT project that 
they were pushing on us. And the rest of, you know, the non-opposition party on council was like, we have to do this. PennDOT's giving us all this money. We don't want to lose our relationship with PennDOT. And the opposition was, well, why? Why do we care? Why, why are we concerned if we lose this planning power? And when you look into it and you start peeling back the curtain, the engineer had already put a bid in for the project. Our borough engineer um, was already bidding for the project as if the work was going to get done. The PennDOT professionals were already telling us this is this is what's going to be good for your town. We've done these traffic studies that were six years old that nobody really used anymore <laughs> um, based on a previous plan for the Wawa that was supposed to be there five years ago that never happened. You know, like it, you start looking at it and, and suddenly you start to realize, well, wait a second, I'm not deciding this. My engineers, my lawyers, and PennDOT are deciding how these projects are going to work. And the contractors, PennDOT's deciding how the contract's going to work. None of the actual people that lived in Pendel couldn't find a single resident that wasn't a politician or married to a politician that was actually in favor of the project. And when the audience showed up that night, nobody wanted it. and Nobody was asking for it. And everybody was screaming against it. A bunch of us kind of got together and we all had the time to, spoke, uh, to speak on it and just said, look, we don't want to spend the people's money to take property to shut down lanes and cause more problems. Is there another way? So one of the Democrats actually agreed that the studies didn't seem relevant. The data seemed a little old and we didn't have the time to, we didn't seem to have enough information and was open to the idea of discussing alternative projects, like rather than filling it with new sidewalks and new lanes, like what if we start small and put in turning arrows and what if we started small and did our own traffic study? So it was really interesting to watch a bunch of people rage because we didn't want to do what PennDOT said and literally push back against the audience that was all asking and saying, but you know, we didn't, we didn't ask for this. And that's, that's a typical example of a Monday night meeting. Um, it's, it started to turn into a situation where council are the elected elite and they will tell you what is going to happen in this town because you gave them that power. You voted them in. Even if everyone at that meeting shows up and says, Hey, we don't want this. doesn't matter. Decision was made prior to that meeting. The decision was made prior to it getting on the agenda. The decision was made because they've already got engineer bids and they've already got plans. They've already talked to their professionals. And I think people have just started losing trust in us. You know, all our meetings are toxic and, and difficult now because it's, it's become aggressive. Our council president holds up a three-minute timer on his phone. And when people come up to speak, well, you know, all right, that's it. That's your time. That's three minutes. That's three minutes. And just will berate people. Um, and actually I had to get told by the lawyer, he would remind people, this isn't question and answer time. This isn't question and answer. And the lawyer had to step in and go, we can't stop them from asking questions. You don't have to answer, but we can't stop them. So it's, you know, right now the issues we're facing are, it's just, it feels like the career politicians in our town are just totally fine going along with whatever PennDOT and the professionals that work for them tell them. And they're not putting in the original thought to decide, you know, do we really need to spend this money? And I think it comes back to a larger ideological issue that the Republicans and Democrats in my town seem to have. And that is they think the only way to rejuvenate and revitalize this town is to collect taxes and spend that money via government projects. And I just wholeheartedly ideologically oppose that concept. You know, we're not going to make Pendel a more attractive town by investing in these beauty projects and putting in thousand dollar trash cans and $2,000, you know, cast iron powder coated benches on the sidewalk. We're going to improve Pendel by giving people the freedom to decide what fence they want to put in their yard rather than creating an ordinance that says, I'm sorry, you can't have chain link link fence. We're sorry. You're poor. Try getting a wood one. Like, you know, it's just, I, I, I so ideologically oppose what they're forcing upon us. And 
I sorry, I'm sorry, I'm tangenting. I think I've wandered off from the original. No, I'm a politician. I, if you no, give me a really, microphone, it's, I'm just really interesting. Because <laughs> uh, I've, you know, I think that I speak for at least a good chunk of people in the Libertarian Party in Pennsylvania when I say I know a fair amount about what's going on in Congress, as much as in like federal Congress, as much as an outsider could know you know, a little bit less, but some about what's going on at the state level and virtually nothing about what's going on at the local level. And that this is why we're doing this, try to try to find out more. And this is the focus of the caucus. Like, um, you can get into it. I can get into it more with you later, uh, maybe afterwards or another day, but, um, short version of the caucus is, um, one of our focuses is running candidates for these local elections. So we can have these kinds of impacts on the, you know the day-to-day -day people in your community because they're the races themselves are much easier to win but also the impact is much more direct and immediate and you're not going to hit the level of establishment resistance that you would at the state or national level yeah i didn't realize how much power my local council had until uh, i saw a meme on the internet the other day it was you know what people think it, on one side it was what people think the libertarian party is and it was a bunch of hippies smoking pot and just sitting there chilling and then on the other side it was what it actually is and it's a guy standing in front of council going how come i can't paint my shed red and that's <laughs> really what these local towns have the power to do i mean we can determine where you can put your fence what type of fence you can have what type of taxes you pay what's a permit what's your income tax there's so much regulation right now being discussed on what's called ms4 which is the upcoming municipal uh storm and sewer wa storm water project where there's talk and discussion of taxing people per square foot of non-permeable surface on their home oh yeah you got a driveway better get a ruler better get a tape measure oh, i mean th this is this is the stuff that comes down the pipe and it all happens at the local level there's this distraction going on at the federal and state level and they're don't get me wrong they're, they're real ones i watch the news about china and russia i watch the news about the federal you know um uh government and what's going on but they don't just always hit us there they hit us at these small little town hall meetings where for months in advance it's already been decided and determined that stuff's going to get pushed forward and before you know it with very little resistance there's a tax in the ordinance that just kind of pops up out of nowhere and suddenly it's like where'd this come from Okay. Yeah, this I, I do have two uh, juicy questions that this makes me think of, but I, I want to save those at the end because I think they'd be better for the end. So right now I'll take the, the audience question because it, again, it relates to what we're talking about now. So in terms of like a time commitment, um, how much time does it take to be a borough council member? Say, assume that's not your full time job. It doesn't sound like, you know, you're meeting 24 seven, but um, no, what, you're what, really what does not. your schedule look um, like? So I meet twice a month on Monday nights from 7.30 to 9 or 10, let's say, depending on how many comments and, and discussion and debate there would be. Um, uh, the prep work is as much as you want. So you could spend all day in Borough Hall if you felt like it going through budget and line items. But in reality, you don't have to. Nothing matters until it's that actual vote. So, so you get up there to actually vote on it. So you don't have, you know, I have a full-time job and I teach at nights. So, you know, I'm still able to do both of those. Now, I've dropped a lot of committee and extra work because I realized that a lot of that was wasteful because 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's face it. They're going to vote for what they want to vote for anyway. And at that point, I, I wasn't even part of an opposition. I was just one guy. Um, so I did drop a lot of the unnecessary stuff. But it is not impossible. The average person that has a family, that has a house, that has a job, that has stuff to manage, absolutely could do this, especially when it comes to things that are going to affect your property, your property value, your paycheck. You find the time. Um, it's not so overwhelming that you you can't do anything. And to be quite honest, you know, on the weeks in between, I'll just take them off. Uh, you know, like on a week between meetings, I won't engage necessarily in in local politics. And when I talk to my local political friends, a lot of it's about hunting, a lot of it's about work, a lot of it's about contracting. So, you know, there's that you, you still get to enjoy time with your family. You still get to enjoy casual conversation with your friends, but it definitely does have me more aware of what's going on locally. When I see construction on the side of the road, I think that I vote on that. You know, did I, did we, did we discuss that? You know, I, it does, you feel more attached to what's happening. So I'd say the average person could do it. Um, if, you know, if I, I would not say that it's going to add such a burden to your life that you're going to feel like you regretted it. You will feel like you regretted it when you're up there <laughs> and the citizens are attacking you and people are coming after you and the other side's fighting you. And if you're a libertarian, both sides are fighting you. So, you know, I mean, you, you will feel at times like it's, um, like it's difficult, but when you vote down $3 million worth of government spending, it all becomes worth it. You know, when you don't have that stupid curb project go through, it all becomes worth it. Like there's a lot of little moments that make all the tiny little frustrations go away pretty quick. Gotcha. Well, uh, one topic that seems to come up a lot in, in our circles, at least, and I'm curious to see if it comes up with, with you in the council meetings is uh, food freedom. Uh, so you know what I mean when I say that? Uh, could you say it again? Food freedom? No, that's a new term for me. Okay, so it can apply to a lot of things, uh, such as like, can you have chickens in your backyard, like a chicken coop? Like how many restrictions are uh, there on having something like that? Um, and I mean, this some of this might extend to the state level. Like, um, are you able to buy raw milk or do you need to you know, pasteurize it and sell it only in like certain places. All Everything like that is, you know, under the big umbrella of food freedom. So, you know, in at the local level, chickens, believe it or not, is probably what I hear about the most. Like people are saying, you know, especially with the price of eggs going up, you know, if so, let's say if I move to Pendel right now, do you know if I would be able to? You could not have chickens. There's backyard? a local ordinance that would prohibit you having chickens in your backyard. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact because we've asked and we've checked. You cannot have chickens in Pendel. We actually yeah. have a 
it's a line in one of our ordinances. Yeah, because I've heard it dis- discussed in at least like three counties I can think of. Like I think it's I think I've heard it talked about like Westmoreland, Allegheny, um, Northampton County was being talked about while I was up there. So I think more and more areas are talking about it. I I don't know specifically if like anyone in the borough um, where you're at would have like a yard that's even big enough to consider it. But I know it's an issue near me in Yardley Borough because some people have it, some people don't. It has been a contentious issue there as well. Um, do you think there'd be a desire there where that anyone would want to um, push that forward? Well, there's absolutely. I know several families that do want chickens, but right now we're fighting against if you want a pond, there's a tax and a permit for putting standing water in your front or backyard. And if it's in your yard, I think it has to be fenced in order to have like a standing, like a bird pond or something like they even measured like the cubic centimeters of how much water you can have before you have to have a permit. Um, Yeah, no, like they're they're arguing over whether or not, you know, chain link fences, they think they're tacky. They don't want houses to have chain link fences. That's the type of minute level of control they really do want over your life. It's, it is sickening. So the idea of chickens, or oh, we're not even close to chickens when it comes to them taking liberties from, from people who pay their mortgage and their property tax. Yeah, they're not. Oh, man. Yeah. So what, what do you see... Um, any of the existing regulations uh, being rolled back sometime in the next few years? Because I know you got a little while while left in your term. Um, Well, we're in a really interesting state. There are seven people on um, my borough council, which means it only takes four to do anything, anything, right? Mm -hmm. There are three of us on this coalition who are very actively civil liberty. I mean, we're very much interested in the little guy. We're very much interested in transparency. And we're very tired of how our borough spends its money and tries to control its people. So we have a November election. And in that November election, it only takes one seat to change the entire government, to change the council president, to change vice president, to change the way our form of government operates. Um that's something Pendel's not had in a long time. That much organized opposition that doesn't just have it the support on the council, but actually has people showing up to meetings and influencing others and like legitimately going out and doing what we kind of hope happens in democracy, talking to their neighbors and positively influencing people. So when you ask, is there a chance that we're going to repeal some of these regulations? That's our goal. But genuinely, over the next couple of years, we really want to see a change in government. We want to see a change in how transparent they are. And we, I'd love it if our neighbors got up and said, Hey, you know what? I want to run. I don't care whether I win or not. I just love to see if I give this a try. I would love to see a stacked uh, November ballot just full of people. It's only, and it would only really take one to change this government is, is only half of the borough council up for election in November. Um, No, because uh, a lot of people quit. We had a borough council president who held a private meeting, select only invite for that uh, Pendel um, or PennDOT project ended up getting her burned really hard for it because when the rest of the businesses found out didn't go over well so she ended up quitting uh so there's a special election for her seat they got a democrat in on that one then um one of our council one of our council members um she decided to resign for personal reasons and and, you know they were honest and they were fair so i'm not going to give her any crap for them um and then uh no democrat ran they couldn't find a candidate so we got a republican in and that changed the entire 
uh, dynamic. We went from two to five to three to four. And now like five of them are up. I think only two of us, I'm secure and one other person's secure. So November could literally change my entire government. Um, it's, yeah. it would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I do have a comment on that, but um, sure. that goes into the question I wanted to wait until the end on. So let's go, uh, let's go back to another topic that comes up the local level um, brought up by our guy, Morgan here. Uh, yeah, sure. An elected libertarian in Butler County trying to eliminate a horrendous weed ordinance being selectively enforced by the council. Uh, how would he, as in, uh, assuming for this guy, like how would you suggest that he go uh, doing away with that? Right. So selective enforcement is not illegal, unfortunately. Code officials can be influenced by their government and decide to turn one, you know, cheek on this, this things here or there. We see it all the time. It, it's um, selective enforcement, unfortunately, is not illegal, but it's absolutely frustrating because it's not fair and it allows you to pick favorites and allows you to reward and punish others. So it's really just a bad practice. What we like to do and what I've seen work is um, this is going to sound pretty, pretty scary hammer them every meeting the more annoyed council is by people showing up talking about the same thing every week the more willing they are to take action to get people to stop showing up because what all government wants is for no one to show up in the meetings to take five minutes and they pass all their votes without opposition because then they can do what they want without having to involve you the citizenry the more people are aware of what's going on the more citizen involvement the more public opportunities to speak hey guess what i'm gonna take my three minutes and the guy behind me he's got three minutes and the guy behind me he's got three minutes i guarantee you you will see council do something very quick so even if you've got a libertarian elected that's only one vote you've really got to put the heat on the rest of council that you decide who gets to sit up there you control the elections you control the ballot honestly talk to your neighbors if there's if there's enough advocacy and support that you become a running problem for those council people, because that's what they're going to look at you as not concerned citizens trying to make a difference. They're just going to see you as a problem they want to get rid of. They'll start to take notice. They'll start to listen. They'll start to try to get ways to shut you up and get you out. And if that's changing an ordinance, they'll do it. Now you got to you got to take that ordinance to either a committee or to the lawyers and you got to have it you know, redrafted and advertised. So there is a bit of a parliamentary process there. But if they're motivated, they'll do it. And if that if that's the issue that you want to say, look, well, you know, People aren't going to vote for you anymore. If you can make that message clear, they respect that. They'll listen to that. Yeah, particularly if you're looking to run for office yourself, just to get yourself out there in front of people who are politically involved themselves. And they're going to see you as a regular at the council meetings. And then, you'll, you know, your name will be on people's minds. And by the time they see it on the ballot, you know, they'll they'll recognize you. Name recognition is half the battle. That was EIT for me. People ask me, why are you running? And I'm like, because they just took 1% of my paycheck. And that just became an issue to surround around. And that became an issue to get people talking is, hey, you know, why we survived for decades without this. Why in the middle of COVID are they taxing us all of a sudden? You know, that like that's a really great perspective, Calvin. You know, if that that even in itself could be an issue of, hey, this is a silly thing that no libertarian would ever care about your weed ordinance, like and not the fun weed ordinance, but the boring weed ordinance. I'm assuming it's the boring weed ordinance, right? Not the fun one. 
uh well i don't know actually i'll have to ask we'll have to talk to morgan about it uh later um he'll he'll be at convention uh the one coming up next month in reading uh you'll be awesome. there, right exciting all right perfect uh so we'll definitely i'll definitely uh make sure you meet morgan and all the other cool people we've got uh in the state um so let's let's go in a related but slightly different direction so let's say sure um i lived in um uh, maybe not your it could be your borough could be um another borough but um and i wanted to go through the steps of you know getting because um one of our guys mike heiss actually did something like this in norristown he got them to uh, pass, a, I don't know if it was an ordinance or something, it basically made uh, psychedelic mushrooms decriminalized so they would no longer enforce any sort of um, restrictions on it that they were pre previously busting people for. Now, like under a certain amount, they just, you know, they won't charge you for it, basically. Right, so right. if you're going to go about, you know, rather than like reacting to a policy, like proactively pushing something forward, uh, what, what would you say is the best way to do that? Um, either in your borough, if it, you know, if you have a sympathetic uh, councilman right off the bat, or if you don't. Well, unfortunately, um, this still is a political process. So no matter how good you are at public speaking, no matter how good you are in front of people, you need to know what your borough is split down and you need to know how many votes it takes to pass anything. So there's your first, your first challenge right off the bat is determining, are you a four, a four yes, or a five yes, or a three yes. I mean, Middletown's got five council people, so they only need three people to vote yes on anything, and they're in. And really, you kind of have to become a lawyer. And part of what you've got to do is, in front of the public, turn and look at your fellow councilman and explain why this benefits your residents, why this is a solid idea, why not doing this may hurt them. And it becomes the challenge of doing that publicly in a way that'll hold them accountable. And what I mean by that is if I look to a fellow council person and say, Hey, wouldn't the idea of taxing people for a fire pit, just piss a bunch of people off. It then becomes their job to defend why it wouldn't. And then they have to defend that publicly. So you got to be prepared to make a solid argument. You got to be prepared to have that argument grilled by the public. And then you got to be prepared to make that argument persuasive enough that another council person might think, Ooh, if I vote against this, what am I saying? And I know that sounds like a you know larger um, conspiratorial type effort, but really that's that's the political process. That's part of what I got to do is I got to reach across the aisle and be like, look, you know, um, so and so, I, you may not like the larger ramifications of this, but I'd certainly hate to vote no about this in front of everybody, especially with the current climate and current temperature. I want to give them as much relief as we can. I want to make them happy because they're pretty pissed at us. Or in the opposite, you know, if you really think that there's an ordinance that you think could benefit the town, sell it. That's your, I mean, my main job is selling why I believe what I believe. This is really a large portion of what I got to do. So that's, you know, when you've got a, you got a member up there, you've got someone that's libertarian. That is their job to speak for those people to really talk to, first of all, you know, talk to those residents and make sure this is actually something they want. Cause they're going to attack you. Even if they're on your side, if you're trying to sell a solution that this really doesn't come from them in the first place. So get in front of people, make sure it's a good idea and then be prepared to sell it. That's what I would say is, for anyone looking forward to do it and it's not if it's a good idea it's not that hard yeah well this is what people need to hear so so that's good uh so uh one thing all right i'll get into one of the things i wanted to 
bring up and um i'm going to start talking about this more um next week and particularly after the state convention on this show but um while you're here i wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about it so i'll drop the link in the chat uh the mises caucus um just launched its take human action tour campaign across the country so they're basically two day long conferences that are happening in as of now eight different cities across the country and the nearest one to us is new york city so it's fairly simple for us we could just like hop on the train at uh trenton and you know go there for you know two days and stay the one night and the re the reason that I think it it's works so well for us is because day one is filled with, you know, libertarian, uh, high caliber speakers, like people who are presidential hopefuls, um, great single issue advocates like Dave Smith, uh, Maj Ture from Black Guns Matter, Scott Horton, uh, foreign policy expert, uh, many others are going on these tours um and particularly good in a case on the second day which would be sunday it's a day entirely dedicated to campaign trainings and unlike just about any other campaign training that that you would do and i've i've been to you know several different groups uh that have run campaign trainings these are going to be almost exclusively focused on running local races because that's what the caucus is focused on well, that's so awesome. I know you have some experience with this already, but, you know, if you're looking to meet other libertarians and get some candidate experience, um, your campaign training experience, either if you're going to be a candidate yourself or going to work on a campaign or going to be a campaign manager, uh, you definitely want to sign up for these. So if you like even speaking to just you, Joe, if you want to come that first weekend of April to if you can uh, spend the weekend with us in New York City, then uh, you'll definitely get some valuable tools uh, to not just win your own race, but, you know, help get a Pendel Borough Council filled with Joe Adams. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to chat with you offline after this because I definitely like to learn some more information. But that sounds amazing. I'd absolutely love to show up to something like that. That'd be great. Awesome. Yeah, since we kept like talking about like similar topics and why, you know, why it's important to get more people um, in the in the sphere that we're doing, like with the local races, I couldn't I couldn't not mention it. Uh, so <laughs> definitely wanted to bring that up. Um, we'll be talking about it more in the coming weeks since even, you know, even with the rally coming up this weekend and the state convention coming up in like a week after that or two weeks after that. <laughs> this is coming up fast um we're actually the first like they're of the tours of all the tours that they're doing um they're running april may maybe june right now new york city is the very first so oh awesome first april so first the fresh and second that's the first tape human action tour event of the whole tour season so it'll be bright and early we'll be the first ones getting the training and we'll be able to hit the ground running campaigns right afterwards that's cool. That's really fantastic. And I know some of those speakers, at least from, you know, their public appearances and stuff like that. So it sounds like a pretty great crowd. Yeah, I'll do a, I'll see if I can do a, a quick screen share just to, since we have a, a little bit of extra time. Uh, 
no screen two. Okay. There we go. Nice. So, so here we've got the map with uh, New York City down there. And I will, I'll scroll down to New York City specifically, buy your tickets. Um, so it's, a, it's at the blockchain center. So how can you not, how can you not want to go to the blockchain center? I mean, right off the bat, that sounds awesome. So, um, yeah, New York city specifically is Dave Smith, Tom Woods, Mosh Terrace, Scott Horton, Jeff Deist, Michael Rechtenwald. Like those, those are like some of the highest profile speakers in the movement right now. So definitely not something you want to miss out on. I already booked my hotel and tickets a couple of days ago. So I'm definitely going to that. I hope to see as many of you there as possible. I think for just about everywhere in PA, this would still be the closest. So try to find a way to get there. For sure. Nice. I appreciate that shout out. Um, and for someone in the comments, thanks for, um, thanks for that feedback. Yeah. Thank you, Kareem. Uh, he's one of our, it's uh, one of our longtime uh, caucus members here. Nice. I, uh, I just want to say, well, if I can take a minute, you know, um, yeah. to include yourself personally, to include the invitation to this podcast and to just include the overall sentiment and support I've received from the Libertarian Party. Um, it has been amazing to really, you know, feel so welcomed. It has been amazing to have been given the opportunities to speak and kind of the platform to get out there and discuss. The invitation to this was was humbling and exciting. And I got super like thrilled when I heard I was I'm being invited to brought on and, you know, to be able to share my story and what's going on. So I just want to say thanks for this opportunity. Thanks for all the just general love and positive support I've felt um, coming my way. And, and it's been surprising from a political organization, you know, from from dealing with the other two. It's a, it's a very different beast than hanging out with the libertarians. It's more of like, eh, what if what if government was better? And I really like that vibe. You know, yeah, what I mean? we, like it's been really relaxing over here. So thank you very much. Uh, well, in that spirit, though, I, I was thinking of this earlier, but you made me you made me think of it again. So um, if you could give a message to other um, local politicians, particularly in Pennsylvania, that are maybe watching this episode or a clip of this episode and thinking, hmm, maybe it might be the right decision to uh, switch over to the Libertarian Party, uh, what would you say to them? I'd ask them some questions. I'd say, what would it feel like if you didn't have to worry about what a bigger party wanted you to vote on? What would it feel like if you didn't have to endorse someone that you didn't like because you knew they weren't the right person? What would it feel like if you had the freedom to vote on what you wanted to vote on, how you wanted to vote? And what would it feel like if you could just go up there and express your thoughts, opinions, and ideas because you think that's what's best for your people and not have to worry about the tongue lashing you're going to get later from some party rep or some other political person or from some person that's now not going to vote for you, what would it feel like if you were known as the person that votes based on what they feel rather than what their party wants? I mean, that's that type of freedom. You, you can't, you can't get that anywhere else. And libertarians have been super supportive of that. So if you're out there thinking to yourself like, Oh, I'm never going to get elected as a libertarian. Really? Cause if you tried that in your town, have you tried talking to the people that voted for you and saying, look, I, I've looked at the big parties. I've looked at what they want. And I don't think they know anything about us. I don't think they care about us. I don't think they know who we are. What if we tried it our own way? You'd be surprised that how many of your constituents actually might be proud of you or actually might support you or actually might think that that's a pretty good idea and might learn something themselves. So just think about what that would feel like, you know, really, really challenged. Do you like the way it is now? And 
you like the way it could be instead that's that's really what got me motivated to to make the switch yeah well thank you joe uh and the last time there was local elections two years ago now uh we even then we elected um uh, i'm gonna <laughs> i'm not i don't remember the exact number but um definitely some like for our city councilors and then two mayors and that was before we were fully mobilized and fully organized and we're just you know sending feelers out to give like the local running local strategy a try but now if if evidenced by the take human action tours if if nothing else but there's like a bunch of other ways but you know that's, I... that's one key highlight in particular like we are changing our focus to the local elections and trying to put a lot of deserved importance on that and that's that's going to be a lot of our focus going forward if i if i can there's there's one thing that the libertarians seem to be really good at and that is that the average young person that's around my generation that's in their 30s they don't watch cnn they don't watch fox news and they look at the people that watch cnn and watch fox news and see them as the same not that they watch for one side or the other but that they still just kind of dogmatically repeat what some floating head said on the news. They listen to podcasts, they read books, they're on Twitter, they're on social media. They're more independently minded. They're more independently thinking. It's not a hard sell to reach out to a young person that's on the left or the right side and say, Hey, what if you tried libertarianism and give them the pitch for them to actually kind of be enlightened and, and see the value. So the, the generations are kind of primed for it right now. And they seem to be coming up more and more primed for it. So you know, the, the fact that the Libertarian Party is so well organized, is on social media, has the right communication channels, is putting the effort in. I think it's getting noticed. I, I think non-political people are actually starting to see it. So if anything, I just want to be encouraging that that what's happening here definitely seems to be working. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again, Joe. Uh, so uh, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to talk about that we didn't get into on this show yet? Adopt a greyhound. If you don't adopt them, they kill them. Uh, it's 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 Excellent pretty sad. Point. Yeah. Um. I mean, adopt a adopt a pet in 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 general. But um, I generally find that you know everyone always says that you know well people complain about solutions. They don't ever want to do anything about it. Well, you, you can if you have pets and you want pets and you love your pets and you think of them as a part of your family. I mean, I don't know what I would do without my girls, my two uh, Bethy and Fanny, my the, our our track girls. They both grew up in track racing and. Uh, they had a lot of love that was needed to transition them into a domestic household. And they are genuinely some of the most adorable, emotionally available, happy, lazy things. They're the most lazy dogs I've ever met in my life. They're 60, 70 pound racers that can accelerate to 45 miles per hour. And that's not a made up statistic. That's real. We've seen them do it. I got track footage of them that will sleep for like 20 hours a day. They lay on my couch like they're government workers. Uh, I mean, it is truly just amazing at how loving yeah. and cute and lazy those things are so if i can say anything non-political to end you know adopt the greyhound they're really great really yeah. great dogs we'll, we'll have to talk about that more offline too because i i do have three uh rescues in my house of a different sort um they're uh two cats and one uh dog that's a mutt of so many different breeds that you know he defies classification <laughs> but that's one small way you and your local house and your local family can instead yeah. of seeing a problem make a small difference in it and if enough people do that we'll run out of pets to rescue yeah i know and then it's not a problem anymore yeah i know allison and autumn and all the other cat and dog lovers uh 
out there will definitely appreciate that. So uh, that's that's a good way to end it. Um, so uh, let me ask you one more thing, though. Um, Always. Visitors to Pendel, restaurants, ice cream places, whatever, where should they go? Um, that's a great question. And we do have local pizza shop. We do have a local Rita's. We do have um, a local coffee cup shop. I know there are businesses that are definitely worth um, partaking in here in Pendel. Um, but what I would say, probably the the biggest attraction that gets a lot of hate that, um, you know, I people, I, I, I think the best thing I would probably say is that if you are looking for pizza, Pendel uh, Pizza has it. There's a great Chinese restaurant um, right on the main strip. We've got a lovely little Thai restaurant that I actually frequent quite a bit. That's kind of amazing. Um, really, anywhere along that Route 1 corridor, if you see a restaurant, it's because Pendel's really small. It's from like the old airplane restaurant, the Sunoco, down to the Rita's at the end. There's not really a lot, but there's a ton of little small joints that you might just drive past that it might be worth, you know, some time patroning if you go through it. But really, it's just a quiet little town. Um, it's not a tourist attraction. It's kind of something that people just kind of go through. Uh, it's not really a place that they go to stay, but it's beautiful if you want to live there because we have such a quiet little, I mean, once you get off that main road, you back into the neighborhoods, like where I live, you hear nothing, you know, you, it's, it's such a quiet, beautiful little place. So, you know, my main advocacy point is, you know, it's wonderful for DoorDash and having a quiet house because it's really, yeah, <laughs> that was my, my main selling my point here. Like that too. So I, I like, I like that aspect of it. Shout out to Bucks County. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just a beautiful. I mean, really, it's kind of a nice place to live. I got no complaints. Yeah. All right. Well, give us your plugs, Joe. Where can people find out what you're up to? So basically, the only place you can find me, um, I taught a cybersecurity awareness class, and we were talking about social engineering. And my students, the future cyber warriors of America, found my wife when I got married, where I worked, and where I lived, all through my social media profiles. So I dumped immediately that night. I went home and dumped everything. I'm like, all right, I've taught them too well. They're too smart. They're too educated. They're already <laughs> starting to social engineer my wife. They were sending a request. I'm like, no, no, you're doing a good job in class, but stop it. So I've reduced everything down to just Twitter. I have the Twitter handle on the screen, Joe Adams content, uh, which it was a parody on the fact that everyone makes content online these days. So I, I threw that up there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm active on Twitter. I, I My DMs are open for messages there and you can find out what's going on through me and through Pendel. Um, I don't have an MLM or a business that I'm, I'm pushing through. It's literally, it's mostly tweets about how angry I am at local politics or greyhounds or or something i saw someone else and i retweeted it but yeah if you ever need to reach out or get in touch that's how you do it yeah maybe soon it'll be pictures of uh libertarian party state conventions and uh new york city campaign trainings (laughs) very heavily moderated to ensure that only the right pictures are released yes i'll I'll ensure (laughs) that for sure all right thanks joe we'll talk soon thanks so much man you have a good night all right you too just stay on real quick and uh we'll end it for everyone else When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.